This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. And we are now in the third week of our annual Bible prophecy series. And today's message is entitled The Rapture. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to start today in John chapter 14. I want you to look at this verse. Most of you are so familiar with this passage that you do not even need to read the Bible. You know this passage almost as well as you know John chapter 3 and verse number 16. But I want you to look at John 14 verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I want you to listen to these words again. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. Now listen. And if I go, I will come again. Somebody say amen. There's so much to know about the rapture. I don't have time today in this one message to give you every single nut and bolt, but I'm going to try to give you the basic procedures or basic things that are going to take place when the trump of God will sound. I want to emphasize in the beginning of this message that the subject of the second coming of Christ is not incidental in the scriptures. Keep that in mind. It's not something that the Holy Spirit makes light of. It's a fundamental truth. It's a major doctrine. And the theme throughout, really and truly, the entire Word of God. And yet, it's a subject that many Christians do not know a lot about. And what little they do know, they have cloudy, distorted opinions and many inaccuracies about it. And it's my heart's desire this morning that I can put some of those things that might be cloudy out of context or not understood in a little bit better perspective for you. There's several reasons why, by the way, I like to preach on the second coming of Christ. One is because Jesus himself said it would happen. In fact, the scripture that we just used for the foundation of the message today are the very words of Jesus. And friend, I will tell you, this is a good place to say this here. You can always trust the word of God. The second reason that I like to preach so much and passionately on the second coming of Christ is because the apostle Paul many times referenced to it in many of his writings, and we're going to look at that in just a few moments. A third reason why I like to preach on the second coming of Christ is because the devil hates it. 
And let me give you a word of wisdom today. You're trying to make decisions in your life, or you might even be praying for wisdom. You're trying to do the right thing. Let me just give you a little key component of good advice when it comes to making decisions in your life. You learn how to love what the devil hates and hate what he loves. And I guarantee you, if you use that as a philosophy, as a, as a mile marker in your life, listen, you'll make good decisions along the way. But let me say this. The devil hates preaching on the second coming, especially the rapture, because he knows when Christ returns, he only has seven years from that point before he is cast into the pit for 1,000 years. And by the way, I do have a message in this series entitled, When the Devil is Cast into the Pit. Now, I've never preached that sermon on its entirety based upon that thought, but it's coming. The third temple, that's a message that's coming. The great white throne, it's a message that's coming. So a lot of things that we may say prior to those messages might just give you a little glimpse of what is yet to come. But I'm going to be speaking on all of that. The devil knows that when the Lord Jesus returns in the rapture that he only has seven years before he's cast into the pit for 1,000 years. As I've said before, many preachers avoid preaching prophetic sermons because, number one, they simply don't believe it themselves. I've told you this, but there are theological seminaries in America today that teach by the way of debate whether or not Jesus Christ is actually coming back again, and many of them do not believe so. Preachers today do not believe it. They don't preach it because it's too complicated. They don't understand it. They get a little scared of it. They're simply not interested in it. The second coming of Christ is definitely not a politically correct message for the day and time that we live. And I will also tell you that preaching on the second coming of Christ requires diligent study. And that's something that a lot of preachers don't take time to do anymore. And my brothers and sisters, I want you to understand today that we as a church, as a planet, we are on a head-on collision course with prophecy. And the second coming of Jesus Christ or the rapture, I want you to understand, is the next prophetic event on God's timetable. None of us can ignore it, and none of us could afford to ignore it. I'm telling you today that there is absolutely nothing that can stop his coming, nothing that can change it. It's going to happen. This world cannot escape it. I've noticed something interesting over the last couple of years, whether it be in books or movies or television shows, and especially, I want you to think about this, that there is a sense when I think about what's happening in the world today and some of these things that I've just mentioned, there is a type of rapture sensation that's going on in the world today. One of the most popular television shows in recent time has been the fictional drama entitled Without a Trace. And I want you to think about that. Some of you may watch it, some of you don't. I don't know, but here's the reading about it. It's about a special missing persons unit in New York City that is operated by the FBI. And the entire series revolves around the strange disappearances of people. Two other television shows have been built on the theme of missing persons, and that was entitled Vanished 
and the other one is entitled Disappeared, and they are brought to us by the Investigation Discovery Channel. There has also been a recent movie starring Nicolas Cage, and the name of the movie is Left Behind. By the way, if you have seen that and you know anything about the Bible, then you understand that that movie is not uh, doctrinally sound. But I will tell you, as I think about these things and reminisce about it, it almost seems like there's a public interest in that kind of thought, people vanishing out of thin air. But listen very carefully. According to the Bible, that thought did not originate from a fictional television reality show. But according to the Word of God, as spoken by the prophets and the Lord Jesus Christ himself, there is coming a time where this very thing, this massive global disappearance is going to take place. I'm telling you, a day is coming when millions of people will suddenly vanish from the face of this earth. This event is called the rapture, and I want you to understand that. I'm going to give you four or five simple things to understand about the rapture. First of all, the rapture, when it takes place, is going to create a massive disappearance and a massive global destruction. I want you to remember that. When the rapture takes place, it's going to create a massive global destruction and a global disappearance. Now, let me say this first of all. We believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. You say, what do you mean by that? I want you to understand that we hold to this truth, that the church will be called out of this world before the seven years of tribulation will take place. I have to move very quickly here. But this is a subject that's debated in large circles of denominations. There are pre-tribulationists. There are post-tribulationists. There are all uh, millennial uh, people in their perspective as well. I'm going to touch a little bit about uh, those types of philosophies and ideologies and some sermons yet to come. But I want you to know that our church is pre-tribulation. And the reason why we believe that is not because it's a warm and fuzzy side to be on, but it's because it's the sound doctrine of the Word of God. Now let me give you this and you stay with me here. And I've mentioned this before. I will mention it in messages soon to come. Right now, we are living between Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, and Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. That's where you and I are today. That's where planet Earth is right now. I want you to understand that when chapter 4 takes place, the rapture of Jesus Christ happens. And then here's what I want you to know about that. When you read Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 3 in its entirety, you will find the word church or churches mentioned approximately 17, 19 times, something like that. And, and there is a great emphasis on the church. And it's talking about the seven churches of, of Ephesus and so forth. Don't have time to elaborate there. But listen carefully. Follow me, please. From Revelation chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 3, you find the church very visible. But in Revelation chapter 4, we find in the opening passages of, of that scripture, uh, the words being caught up, taken out. That's the rapture of the church. Now listen carefully. From Revelation chapter 4 to Revelation chapter 18, you do not find the word churches or churches uh, mentioned one time. And the reason for that, the reason why the church is not present from Revelation chapter 4 to Revelation chapter 18 is because the church is not there. But what you do find in Revelation chapter 4, verse number 19, 
you find this, that the church is coming back. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus is coming back to the earth on a white horse with all of the armies of heaven. Now, all of the armies of heaven is all is made up of all of the blood-bought, washed, redeemed in the blood of the Lamb. Listen, the armies coming back with him are the sainted millions who have given their, their hearts to Christ. Now, here's the thing. Jesus Christ cannot come back with his saints until he has first come back for his saints. I'm telling you, he comes back for his saints in Revelation chapter 4, and he comes back with his saints in Revelation chapter 19. By the way, Jude verse number 14 also says, Behold, he cometh with ten thousands of his saints. So I want you to understand, we are pre-tribulationalists. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come in the rapture before the seven years of tribulation takes place. All right, we've established that now. Listen very carefully. When you think about this sometimes, and stay with me, there has been catastrophic events all over the world that has happened in places where news reports have come over, whether it be television or radio, news channels are saturated with warnings when tsunamis are coming or tornadoes or hurricanes of that matter. And they are warning people. In fact, we have recently heard of places as close to us as Nags Head, North Carolina, when, when hurricanes were uh, coming in Kitty Hawk and Nags Head and so forth. But I will tell you, when devastating storms are about to take place, the government seems to go extra miles in giving people as much warning, advance warning as they possibly can. And what they do is they tell everybody, this storm is going to be really bad and you need to evacuate as soon as possible. Sometimes they consider it to be a volunteer evacuation, but then they consider some points and times to be mandatory. They say, you have to get out. If you do not get out, you're going to lose your power. You're going to lose running water. You're going to lose gasoline. You're going to lose food. And they say, you better get out. But there have been rebellious people in the midst of those kind of announcements with all the warnings that can be given from the weatherman saying, you better get out. You better evacuate. And I will tell you, when people avoid or ignore the warnings and they do not get out, they do not evacuate, then they suffer horrific consequences. I want you to understand something today. Let me be your spiritual weatherman. You better get ready to evacuate because there's a storm coming on the horizon. I want you to think about that. Can you imagine what it's going to be like for people who decided not to evacuate? People who decided that they were not going to give their heart to Jesus. And by the way, friend, that's the only way you can evacuate in the rapture is to know Christ as your personal Savior. I mean, can you imagine what it's going to be like 10 seconds after the trump of God will sound? Think about it with me just for a moment. Global millions upon millions are going to disappear. There is going to be a 911 situation all over the planet. There are going to be people who are stumbling through smoke. They're going to be walking around with fires raging all around them. Buildings and homes are going to be destroyed. People are going to be climbing through the wreckage of automobiles and over dead bodies and over dead animals. All means of communication is going to be down. Drinking water is going to be contaminated. There is going to be natural gas explosions all over the world. People are going to be looting in every single building that's still standing. There are going to be mothers screaming for their missing children and all to wonder what in the world has just happened. You think about that. 
Friend, what a hopeless end to have not been evacuated in the time of the rapture. So I want you to understand something today, that the first thing that's going to take place in the rapture, now there are things happening simultaneously. I'm just, I have to give them to you one at a time here. But the first thing that I want you to note is that there is going to be a global disappearance by millions of people and global destruction. Now, the second thing that's happening simultaneously in the rapture is this, that there is going to be an awakening of the dead, the spiritual dead in Christ. I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to look at a couple of passages of scripture here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and notice with me in verse number 51. The Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, I want you to notice that word sleep and underline it, if you will, in your Bible. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Underline that. But we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. And the dead, notice that, when the trump of God sounds, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Now, I want you to understand that. I want you to think about it with me just for a minute. Go with me now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Having said that in the former passage of Scripture, I want you to understand a little bit about this thing of those who sleep in Jesus. Those who sleep in Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 13, Notice the scripture, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep, underline that word, sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Notice that. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now this passage breaks it down very simply for us. And this is one of the most beautiful aspects of the rapture that I could spend time talking about this morning. In verse 13, notice this, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. I want you to look at that word, asleep. The Greek word is komeo. I want you to think about that. And that word komeo in the Greek, it means sleep in death. That's what this passage is talking about. Now, by the way, it's the same word that is used to describe the deaths of Lazarus, the death of Stephen, and the death of David. Now, I want you to hold your place here because you've got to see this. I want you to, it's a beautiful gem, truth, spiritual truth in the Word of God. I want you to hold your place here. I'm going to ask you to turn to several scriptures. Go back with me to John chapter 11 and verse number 11. John 11, verse 11. And I want you to look at these things very carefully. The Bible says, These things said he, and after that saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Notice that. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Go with me now to Acts chapter 7 
And I want you to look at verse 60. I'm going to give you several passages here. It's important that you see this word. Where are your loved ones who have gone on to heaven? Where are they? What are they doing? The Bible's talking about sleeping in Jesus. I'm trying to teach you something about that passage, about that thought, about that word this morning. In Acts chapter 7, verse 60, and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to the charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You see that? All right, now go just a little bit beyond that. Acts chapter 13, verse number 36. Acts 13, verse number 36, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. All right, now go with me quickly back to the New Testament uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. Notice that with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. They'll get it on the screen quicker than you can probably turn, but look at it carefully. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. I hope you're getting the picture. Now let me explain something to you. When Christians die, this word asleep is used to describe the safe and resting place that they are. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 8. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I want you to think about this. When our loved ones die, their soul, they go to be with the Lord. There's no struggle. There's no, no wrestling. They're, they go immediately in the presence of the Lord. This is the restful, peaceful, and safe place in heaven with the Lord. All right, now go back with me, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I want you to see verse 13 through 14. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That's talking about our friends and our loved ones. And Paul is saying that our loved ones who have died in Christ Jesus will live again. And so we, we say to God be the glory for that. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 14, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And Paul is saying as Christians, do not be overcome in sorrow and heartache when your loved ones pass in this life. Don't let it be the chain that you feel in your heart is the finality of things. I'm telling you this, your loved ones have left the land of the dying for the land of the living. Somebody say amen. To God be the glory. Paul is saying here there's a great day coming. In the rapture, our loved ones, according to the word of God, will be awakened. The dead in Christ will be awakened out of their sleep. Paul says that when the rapture takes place, they're going to have a resurrection. He instructs us to believe that as just, just as Jesus himself was resurrected from the dead, that you and I are going to have a resurrection as well. Now, this is important. You and I have stood around a lot of graves, uh, some more recently than, than others. And I mean, I seem like that's what I spend a lot of time doing here, here lately is burying loved ones. Death, listen now, it's a natural process to weep when our loved ones pass. It's a natural process to feel a void. It's a natural process to feel like, what am I going to do? Like life is never going to be the same again. How can we not be emotional when our loved ones and our friends pass on from this life? 
But I want you to know even Jesus wept when Lazarus died. Jesus is emotional as well. But thank God Lazarus came out of his sleep. Thank God because of the blood of Jesus. There ain't no grave that's going to hold his body down when the trump of God sounds. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Now let me give you the picture real quickly here. In a split second, in a twinkling of an eye, several things take place. Number one. There's going to be massive destruction and massive disappearance all over the planet. The next thing, and when I say next thing, I'm not saying one, two, three, four. These things are happening simultaneously. But I can only give you one at a time. <laughs> After the global disappearance and the millions have vanished and the world is filled with utter, I mean, unbelievable, unimaginable, Try to imagine 9-11 in New York City. Try to imagine that happening on every street corner in every nook and cranny of this world. I'm talking about all over the planet at one time. That's what's going to happen when the trump of God sounds. The dead in Christ are also going to rise. They're going to be awakened. There's a purpose for that. I'll explain it to you in just a minute. And then the Bible says this, those who remain. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 17. Let's look at that scripture real quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 17. The Bible says then, okay, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. They're going to be awakened out of their sleep. All right, simultaneously, verse 17, then we, Every born-again, blood-washed believer, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. The resurrected dead, those that are alive and remain, some of us will still be living when the rapture takes place. Not everyone is going to die. Those of us that are alive and remain, it's all happening simultaneously in a twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. Now here's what happens, and here's where a lot of people are so confused. When a person dies in this life right now, according to the Apostle Paul, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Listen, we do not get glorified bodies then. Our spirit, our soul, goes to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you have to understand something now. That when we go to one funeral after another and that body is in that casket and they lower it in the ground, you have to understand that if that person was a believer, their soul, their spirit goes directly to heaven. I talked a little bit about the soul in our chapel in the school the other day. I had four kids get saved in our chapel service. And I want you to understand something. When the spirit leaves the body, see, this body is your house. This, this body is where you live. This is not you. This is where you live. And when you die, I'm telling you, they put your house, they put your tabernacle, they put your body in the ground. But you go somewhere. I'm telling you, friend, we will all be somewhere forever. We will either spend eternity in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ or we will forever be in the torments of hell. And there is not a go-between. There's not a purgatory, friend. You're either saved or you're lost. You're either in the family or out of the family. So I want you to think about this. Your spirit, your soul goes immediately to heaven upon your death. 
And I want you to think about that. Now, when the rapture takes place, when the trump of God sounds, global devastation will take place. When the trump of God sounds, the dead in Christ will rise first. When the trump of God sounds, then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together. Now, something very interesting happens right here in this twinkling of an eye, in this resurrection. And I want you to see this, two passages of Scripture, but let me give you the first one first. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, go there with me if you will, please. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want you to see beginning in verse number 51. We've already read this, but I want to read some more of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Oh, changed for what? I'm telling you, when we are raised from the dead, you have to understand something, that the spirit, the soul, the you as a believer that has gone on to be with the Lord, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, when the Lord Jesus is given the signal, the command to come, Michael the archangel will sound the trumpet and the Lord Jesus will step out into the portals of glory. He will be fastened in the air. He will give the command that the dead in Christ rise first. Those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together. And in this catching, in this resurrection, in this awakening, notice verse 52, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the last trump, uh, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Notice that. And we shall be changed. Changed from what? Notice this, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to see. Changed from what? Turn quickly to Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 21. Philippians 3 and verse number 21. I want you to see this. Here's what's happening. The trump of God sounds. Global devastation. The dead in Christ are rising first. Then we which are alive and remain are caught up with them. All right? Something happens in the resurrection before meeting Jesus immediately in the air. It's just in the twinkling of an eye, but I want you to understand something. When this happens, and the souls that are now in heaven with Jesus, when the trump of God sounds, that soul will be resurrected with a new body. These bodies are not made to live in heaven. We, we can't live more than 70, 80, 90 years. I'm telling you, we're talking about an eternity. We need, we need a vehicle. We need a house. We need a tabernacle. We need a body that is going to be able to withstand what Jesus was talking about, everlasting life. This everlasting life, listen, is going to be housed or tabernacled in a glorified body. We don't get our glorified bodies in death when we get straight to heaven. We get our glorified bodies when the trump of God sounds. Now notice this in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 21, when the rapture takes place, who shall change shall. Notice that. He who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his 
glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So I want you to understand, friend, and when the rapture takes place, global devastation, there's going to be an awakening, a resurrection of the spiritual dead, not the lost. We're going to be talking about their great white throne in another message. The lost are not resurrected at this judgment. The judgment seat of Christ, we'll be talking about that as well. The dead in Christ, when the trump of God sounds, when the rapture takes place, global devastation, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, as believers, there will be a transformation, a glorification that takes place. This glorification in this glorified body is taking place where we are ushered up to meet the Lord Jesus in the air. I want you to know, friend, that today the Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Right now, he is preparing heaven for us according to John chapter 14. He's meditating and, and mediating over our needs with God. He's tenderly presiding over our lives right now. But on this appointed day, which by the way, the word says that no man knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man come, only the Father. But on this appointed day of evacuation, on this appointed day of the rapture, he is going to initiate the rapture by literally and physically rising from the throne that he has majestically been sitting on. He is going to proceed to step into the corridors of light. According to the word of God, he is going to descend into the atmosphere of planet earth. He is going to signal the archangel to sound the trumpet. And when that happens, the dead in Christ will rise first. I'm telling you, the graves will burst open wide. Human dust will rise from them grave clothes. God will assemble them like he did in conception. God will raise them with a glorified body. Following their resurrection, we who are alive and remain will be evacuated, will be caught up, and this will all take place in a split second in a twinkling of an eye. The Lord Jesus will call to himself every born-again believer and will leave none of us behind who has been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, millions of people who have been saved, washed in the blood from all corners of the earth will feel a tingling uh, sensation pulsating all over their bodies. When the trump of God sounds, they will be suddenly energized. They will experience a miraculous supernatural glorification and all of their deformities instantly are going to be healed. I'm telling you, when the rapture takes place, Immediately the blind will see, the dumb will speak, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear. Cancer will have to let go. Their hearts will beat in perfect rhythm. Every wrinkle on a senior's face will be completely smoothed out like a baby. All of this takes place in the twinkling of an eye. Somebody say amen. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Hallelujah. Oh. Oh. Hallelujah. All of that takes place in the twinkling of an eye. They're going to defy the laws of physics and gravity. Thousands of the saints and millions are going to be passing in the air with them. In 1 Thessalonians 4.17, then we which, are, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now listen carefully. My time is gone. When the trumpet sounds and there's global devastation, 
the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up with them. All of this is happening in a twinkling of an eye. There's a glorification. And we stand before the Lord Jesus in the air. I've got a couple of more points to make on this subject in sermons to come. It's then and there. Jesus never comes to the earth in the rapture. We meet the Lord in the air. When we meet the Lord in the air, there is going to be a three and a half year period in the air that we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. That sermon's coming. After that first three and a half years of meeting Him in the air, we will then proceed on to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That takes seven years. When this evacuation takes place, not only is there going to be global devastation and millions missing, but somebody will walk up to the platform and the podium and the microphone of the world and say, Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Those words will be spoken in every known language of the world. And the Antichrist will say this. Do not panic. I can explain this. And while the world is on their knees in horror, this man will sadistically capture their attention and compel them to believe he is the Prince of Peace. But he is the false Messiah. We have to stop here today. Listen, let me say this, friend. Do you know how close we are to the rapture? When I first started preaching sermons on the rapture many, many years ago, I found a research survey that was put together by General Electric and they said that General Electric had calculated a twinkling of an eye to be one twentieth of a second. One twentieth of a second. Now, can you imagine just for a minute and one twentieth of a second? Global devastation. The resurrection of the, of the sainted millions who died in Christ. Those who are alive and remain being glorified in a body fashioned like unto his own. All of that in a twinkling of an eye. And I will tell you this, friend. You know, the sad part about it is this. There are going to be people left behind. One of my sermons coming up, I believe it's next Sunday. Will there be a second chance for those left behind? If you plan with your soul, you're taking a chance. You're saying, not now. I got too much living left to do. I've got to get my ducks in the row. Religion? I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that commitment. Let me say this. Jesus could come before you swallow again. Don't take a chance. Take Jesus. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.